Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I got a tweet, I think it was yesterday, from somebody who said, B.A., enjoy the show, but would it be possible if we stopped talking so much about who's going to be taken off the Georgia roster in the 2022 draft? We have done a lot of that over the course of the last few days, and the good news for that tweeter or anybody else, we are now ready to talk about some different things here on the show as we kind of look at what is at stake for Georgia for the upcoming season and what it's going to take to uh, be able to get all of that done for UGA, and obviously... There remain a couple of pretty significant and unanswered questions that kind of float over the surface here. One of those, you know, is the situation in the secondary. And obviously, the NFL draft does greatly influence that because you had guys leaving for the draft. Eric Stokes became a first-round pick. Tyson Campbell was taken number 33 overall. You lost safety Richard LeCount to the NFL. DJ Daniels on his way to the next phase of, of his football life, you know, trying to make an NFL roster. Uh, on and on you go. Mark Webb in, the, in that conversation there as well a lot of very talented members of the Georgia second year a year ago have kind of aged out of the program or moved on to the NFL or whatever you want to say and there is now a need to figure out what happens beyond that for Georgia and when Georgia coach Kirby Smart was talking about this very topic during the spring he did not really hold back at all it was one of my key takeaways from the spring that if you went into spring practice in March thinking you know, I kind of feel like there may be some questions for Georgia at the secondary position, specifically at the cornerback spots. There was really nothing that happened during spring, or maybe more importantly, nothing that was ever said by any player or a coach that would do anything to change your mind about that. It was obviously treated as a substantial issue, one that needed to be paid attention to. In fact, let me let you hear Kirby Smart really kind of pulling no punches in terms of his obvious you know respect for just how big of an issue this is potentially for Georgia this season Kirby Smart from March take a listen to this yeah the quarterback position is really completely open so to name two guys is is probably not the smart I mean we got a lot of guys that are going to be working at cornerback every guy on our team is a potential quarterback and cornerback right now because we're in search of finding guys that can play that position at a high level in a really tough you look across the SEC, the ability to throw the ball has gotten better and better and better, and those guys um, get exposed. You know, we're one of the we're one of the conferences that plays more man to man probably than anybody else. So you got to have guys out there that can function. So that that position is you know, up for grabs. There are no guys that are proven returning starters, um, and every guy is working hard to learn the techniques and the details that it takes to play winning football at that position. One of the things you've heard me say on recent shows, certainly in the past, is that when I look at that issue for Georgia and compare it to, say, another issue that kind of comes up in the show from time to time with what's happening with Georgia's offensive line, one of the things that I have said is is that I might have a little more confidence in Georgia's ability to kind of figure out who its extra starters are along the offensive line, figuring out that five best, might have a little bit more confidence about Georgia's ability to do that because there is some experience that Georgia can lean on. And if you want to compare that and isolate it to just cornerbacks because if you talk about the sec- the secondary overall then there's obviously experience with Lewisine and now Chris Smith they're at the safety position but in terms of just isolating the cornerbacks 
there isn't quite as much experience to lean on there. There are guys who've been in the program for a while, like Amir Speed or Latavius Brainy, and you know, depending on how much uh, you know cornerback Brainy plays, you know, they'll have a chance to do you know do something there. But overall, the 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 cornerback situation for Georgia, what makes it a little more challenging is it's a position that I've come to believe that experience matters at, and obviously Georgia just has a little less of that experience there than it does in some other places. But that does not mean that the situation is sort of doom and gloom and there's no positive outlook for the Georgia cornerback situation whatsoever, nor does it mean that Georgia eventually can't have some emphatic answers there and have some very impressive play coming from the Georgia cornerback spot. There's still a chance that's true, whether it's reaching to the transfer portal and bringing someone in, something that might still happen, or whether it's leaning on some of the talent that exists in the program already, even at the cornerback spot. That's what really matters here. While Georgia is minus the experience that that is valuable at the cornerback position, it has the kind of talent that obviously still makes it the envy of so much of the rest of the country. And an example that kind of proves that point, Chris Hummer, a good writer for 24-7 Sports, was writing a piece the other day about the redshirt freshman for 2021 around the country, not just in the SEC or certainly not, not just on the Georgia roster, but around the country who ought to be getting some attention, who we shouldn't forget about. Sometimes we have a tendency to kind of move off those guys, uh, you know, after they've been on campus for a year and start thinking about the incoming freshman for the upcoming year. But oftentimes the biggest impact on a roster sometimes is made by your redshirt freshman, guys who've been in the program, but, but maybe haven't, you know, gotten their, I guess, full taste of experience as of yet. And on Hummer's list at 24-7 Sports of the redshirt freshman that he could see making a gigantic impact he mentions a couple of Georgia names both of them cornerbacks Keely Ringo and Jalen Kimber now he lumps them together and in the write-up on both Kimber and Ringo I love the way that Hummer sums this up there at the end he says there's little telling at this point who will end up starting for Georgia next season at those cornerback positions whether it's young guys like Ringo Kimber obviously got like a mere speed in that conversation there as well but in terms of these redshirt freshmen Jalen Kimber Keely Ringo two big-time signees from the class of 2020 he says either way both have immensely high cornerback ceilings and could emerge as impact players this year good stuff there Chris Hummer 24-7 sports I love that kind of money phrase there immensely high cornerback ceilings high ceilings to potentially be top-end performers maybe you see some of that from an impact from these guys here this year and obviously if you're a Georgia fan and you're concerned about that cornerback spot hearing things like that maybe it makes you feel a little bit better but there's actually a larger point on all of this that I want to make and over the years, I've kind of said this a lot, and I will probably keep saying a lot in the years to come. This is just kind of the philosophy that I operate on. So Georgia will probably end up leaning on one of these two guys to eventually be a starting cornerback at some point in time this year, if not from the very beginning of the season. And at that point in time, Georgia fans are kind of left to hope, well, you know, that guy ends up getting it done. There is seemingly some buzz around the program from time to time. I know Mike Griffith mentioned this yesterday, that maybe Kimber is ahead of Ringo right now. I don't know if that's true or not, but sometimes it feels like you hear a little bit of that buzz. But ultimately, the fan looks at Kimber, looks at Ringo, the two guys that get the praise there from 24. 7 sports and they say well which guy is the one that you really can lean on here for this upcoming 2021 season will it be Keely Ringo will it be Jalen Kimber and my very honest answer to that question is I don't know and I'm not concerned about the fact that I don't know that nor do I really care about anybody else who thinks they know it right now because here is the thing that always is going to be true for me 
Then when it comes to these kinds of issues, you've got cornerback spot open. You may have two cornerback spots open, but you've got a cornerback spot open for uh, a new starter, and you're trying to figure out who that starter is going to be. In issues like this, when you're trying to answer questions like that, for me, numbers are always more important than names. In other words, a collection of players, a number of players who could potentially emerge as a starter for a spot, putting faith and trust in that to me is always going to be more valuable than putting some sort of level of faith and trust in some player that I'm sure is going to be a knock it out of the park, grand slam home run, can't miss prospect. Because the fact of the matter is, no matter who is the one that's doing the the evaluating, whether it be NFL GMs for the NFL draft or the experts in the recruiting industry who kind of rate these players, When it comes to an individual evaluation of an individual player, those evaluations are going to be, you know, wrong as often as they are right. They are going to have about a 50-50 batting average, and there is just loads and loads of data that support that to be true. But when you're talking about a population of players, and all of a sudden you only need one of the guys from that population to kind of break out and pop, that becomes a little bit easier to do. So this is the thing that I would tell Georgia fans about the unanswered question the open spot there at the cornerback position to kind of lean on the a way that the writer here for 24 7 sports seems to be evaluating this that it's not about one guy who has to live up to his high school building in order for georgia to have what it needs at the cornerback spot the reason why that georgia is the envy of much of the country right now with its talent is not because any one player on the roster is definitely a sure thing can't miss No, it's a population of players who, from that group, you hope to find a few who can sort of step out from the forefront. So Ringo, Kimber, multitude of names, start adding the the, the recent 2021 signees into that there as well and what they may have a chance to do for this upcoming year. It truly is an example for me where the numbers are more important than the names, that Georgia has a large number of players who could potentially satisfy its need for a starting cornerback and the race to see who moves to the forefront, who steps up and potentially has a chance to shine once the actual games begin this fall for those of us who enjoy watching this team and love following the sport that's going to be a race and a competition that should be very fun to watch unfold my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by merriweather and tharp and great to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch we're on the radio at noon on athens sports radio 960 the ref and as a podcast wherever you find them uh, the apple player the google player worldfamousdognation.com many of you listen right there on soundcloud truly however you get to us by the way we actually stopped over on the twitch uh, video feed yesterday i wasn't even sure i could find it because let's face it i'm you know in my 40s and sometimes deficient in areas like that but we actually found the twitch video feed on the show yesterday and took a couple comments via twitch on the show yesterday that was a, a fun thing to be able to do and of course big thanks to Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible I had a great lunch this week with Bob Tharp our buddy from Meriwether and Tharp and so happy to hear about what a great year it's been for them and the great work they've been able to do to take care of so many of you who kind of find yourself in the you know just the challenges of a, of a challenging situation when it comes to divorce obviously I, I hate that for you but I'm glad that you know organizations like Meriwether and Tharp exist I'm glad that Meriwether and Tharp is able to take so much good care of so many people 
when they find themselves going through a challenging time like that. Because let's face it, we're talking about relationship with children. We're talking about finances. We're talking about all the things that can make you feel less than whole when they're not the way they, they're supposed to be. Well, the divorce process, going through that and fixing that stuff on the other end is an important step to take in life. And that's a step that Meriwether and Tharp is going to help you be able to take. They are your source for Georgia divorce. You know, all the intricacies of... Uh, of the law and but also the just the various choices you can make about you know which choices which assets which things like that that are going to provide the most value and the best quality of life for you the attorneys at Meriwether and Tharp understand all of that and they want to put that expertise to work for you because they legitimately want to help you through one of the toughest times that you may go through but a time that can make you feel better when it's all said and done I love that about Meriwether and Tharp and I heartily recommend them to you the atlanta divorce team.com that's the website the atlanta divorce team.com that'll get you in touch with meriwether and tharp they truly are your source for georgia divorce check out the website you can find that for yourself free blog posts podcasts all kinds of ways to educate yourself on the divorce process before you even make the step to put them to work for you but when you take that step they will be a tireless advocate on your side i can promise you that check them out today the atlanta divorce team.com all right before we get terrence edwards and talk some uh, georgia football with the great former wide receiver i don't want to go around the doghouse on our program today and what a great addition of before the hedges presented by kroger it was last night with dog nation recruiting insider jeff centel who had a special guest to stop by to visit with him and that was 2022 tight end oscar delp one of the real names to know in the state of georgia for this upcoming recruiting cycle out of west forsyth high school and a target that's obviously on the mind of many Georgia fans there as well. Long-standing relationship with Georgia quarterback commit Gunnar Stockton. A lot of dog fans kind of feel like that maybe Georgia's got the inside track on Delp. That remains to be seen. He's obviously looking forward to taking some visits. But there's one particular piece of audio I want to share with you from Oscar in his interview with Jeff last night in hopes that you'll go back and check out the full thing for yourself a little bit later on. And it actually leads me to a point that maybe we haven't considered enough around here. You know, on this show a lot, and this kind of even goes beyond Delp, but on this show a lot, we talk about who are those Georgia assistants who are really getting it done on the recruiting trail. And you've heard me tout Trey Scott, for instance, a lot lately, last couple of recruiting cycles. I don't know that anyone's recruiting defensive linemen any better than Trey Scott is. I think he's one of the, the, the real rising stars on this list of Georgia assistants. And I've been impressed with the way that Matt Luke has slid in in place of Sam Pittman, one of the most respected offensive line coaches in the world, now head coach at Arkansas. But I think you would have to say that Georgia's offensive line recruiting has not really skipped a beat in the absence of Sam Pittman. Look at the wins that Matt Luke has collected. Very, very impressive in its own right there. Obviously, there are well-established names like Dan Lanning and on and on you go, what Dale McGee has done with running backs. And you could just you know be very impressed with a lot of these guys. However, when you listen to a guy like Oscar Delp talk, you sort of get the impression that maybe someone like me has not done a good enough job of talking about the recruiting work that Todd Hartley, the Georgia tight ends coach, is doing. Let's face it, this matters, right? Because running concurrent to the discussion about Georgia's tight end recruiting is the idea that Georgia fans want to see the tight ends used more on the field. And you think, well, what about the role for Darnell Washington or, you know, continued role for John Fitzpatrick or you start talking about, you know, what you you know hope to see from Brock Bowers. And part of the reason why we may be at the forefront of seeing Georgia use tight ends more on the field in 2021 
is simply because Georgia has recruited that position so well over the last couple of cycles. Guys like Washington Bowers have the potential to be future stars. The program was probably already pretty deep at the tight end position even before they arrived there. And all of a sudden, you start thinking about future recruiting classes. Oscar Delp, who's also kind of a seasoned pass catcher, even as a high school player, potentially following the footsteps of all of that, you realize, wow, you know, it's only one position. You're only playing, you know, at the most two of these guys in the field at one point in time. But actually, Todd Hartley is really kind of getting it done there as a as a recruiter there as well. Maybe we ought to give him a little more credit in a show like this. So this is our kind of chance to do that because listen here to Delp talking about Hartley and the other Georgia coaches are obviously in a you know in relationship with him. Listen to how effectively Delp says Hartley and UGA are recruiting him at the moment. This is good stuff from last night. Take a listen. He's been very consistent. We talk almost every day. We text every day call every other day i mean we're always talking on the phone the georgia coaches have definitely won my parents over or definitely my mom i mean she got i think 15 cards on mother's day from all of them and she loved all that that's going to be a big thing with uh, the recruiting process i think with my parents are they're definitely going to be a big influence in my decision i'm going to make it in the in the end but i mean i'm going to listen to them a lot but i mean they like georgia a lot right now just from the connections that they have with the coaches i mean my mom's like i don't want to send my baby off to some random doesn't know the coach that well i mean They've definitely won my mom over, I'll say that. There are a couple of things that come to mind for for me from that clip from Oscar Delp right there. First of all, as I said before, I think Hartley's credentials, the consistent way in which he stays in contact with Delp, making Delp feel loved by Georgia, making Delp's family feel loved by Georgia, obviously sets him up as one of the real ace recruiters on the staff and that Delp relationship and the recent tight end signings for Georgia would certainly give you reinforcement on that belief. Here's the other thing, too. We're in an age of transfer portal. We're in an age of, boy, any adversity that strikes, players are looking to go somewhere else. I have a hard time believing that players who have families who feel as connected to the school as Delp says his family already feels with Georgia, if Delp were to come to UGA, if he were to sign with UGA, doesn't that kind of feel like the kind of player who may then also kind of be in there for the long haul there as well? This isn't gimmick recruiting. This isn't, hey, come here because we're the hot you know thing on the block here for, for five minutes. Come get your 15 minutes of fame here at a program like this. Now, this is something that with a little more substance to it than that, something that grows a little more roots there than that. This, these are coaches who stay in continuous contact and develop those strong relationships with not just the player but the family there as well. If you're a Georgia fan, I think you like this kind of recruiting. I think you like the fact that if Delp ends up choosing Georgia, not only will you be happy that Georgia got itself a good player, but I think you'll have some confidence in believing that he also chose Georgia for what you might view as the right reason. So really good stuff there. Uh, you should check out the entirety of the interview. Jeff Sintel, uh, the Dog Nation YouTube page, a great place to go for that. The edition of Before the Hedge was presented by Kroger there last night. That's also available as a a podcast there as well. So you can uh, check all of that out today. Let me also say this before we get talk to uh, Terrence Edwards here in just a moment that there is still some opportunity, although these tickets are going fast, some opportunity for you to be with us for the big event next Friday. That's May 21st, our Dog Nation Days of Summer event at the Battery Atlanta and at Truist Park. This is going to be an incredible time. It's going to start at 4 p.m. there that day. We're going to have kind of a traditional Dog Nation meet and greet. We'll do the Q&A stuff. A lot of the Dog Nation team going to be on hand for that. We're going to do that there at the Terrapin Tap Room, which is right next to Truist Park. And you know, we'll, as I said before, we'll take some questions, we'll talk some Georgia football. This is really our first public event. 
event, getting out together to be with all of you, our Dog Nation community. This is our first chance to do that in over a year. So I can tell you on our end, we are over the moon excited about all of this. And we are working really hard, and our partners at the Atlanta Braves are working hard to help us there as well to make this as fun as it can possibly be. That night, we'll all enjoy dinner from Fox Brothers Barbecue. That's the in-house restaurant there for the Terrapin Tap Room. Such, such good food. I love Fox Brothers. Uh, you're going to love that there as well. We'll enjoy some uh, Terrapin beer, some beverages there as a part of all this. We've got some Dog Nation giveaway stuff. We're going to do that night. Some really cool things we're giving away. Also, you'll have a chance to win uh, stuff from the Braves, signed baseballs, future Braves tickets, gift cards from our Terrapin Tap Room. And then after all of that, we're all going to go to the Braves game together. The Braves are playing the Pittsburgh Pirates there that night. We'll all enjoy seats in the lower level diamond corner section of Truist Park. So we'll be there together in the same section enjoying that. Tickets for all of this, the entirety of the event, just $77. That includes the fees, by the way. So that's a really good deal. Website to go to to find out more about this and to purchase your tickets, more importantly, while we still have some availability, it's braves.com slash dognation. Braves.com slash dognation. It's going to be a great time. Please make sure you're part of all of that today. All right, before we're done, I'm going to give you an example of how this year's off-season conversation ahead of the upcoming season is far different and in one respect maybe far better than it was a year ago and this has nothing to do with the coronavirus we'll do that coming up in just a moment but for now here on dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp for everything going on around uga let's talk to the great former georgia wide receiver it is terrence edwards right now from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider Always great to have a chance to talk to Terrence Edwards, the great former Georgia wide receiver, uh, just a terrific, terrific analyst covering this team, paying so much attention to everything that's going on around the high school football in the state and everything else. And it's uh, it's great to have him on the show today. And Terrence, let me begin with a guy that you, first of all, let me just say good morning to you and uh, appreciate your time. Hope you're doing well. Everything uh, good on your end? Everything's good. Thanks, B.A., for having me. Uh, glad to have you here there as well. And I was talking before you joined us, but a guy you know well, that's Oscar Delp, the ter- terrific four-star tight end out of West Forsyth High School. He made an appearance with Jeff Sintel last night on Before the Hedges presented by Kroger. And, you know, Terrence, I know you've worked with Oscar and you've you've seen how he's developed as a football player, but also when you hear interviews with him, I think there's a lot to like about the young man, you know, beyond just his ability to play the game. This is obviously one of those names to know Terrence, you already know that Georgia's looking to continually replenish its you know, potential pass-catching options, and that's, I would think, going to be a huge priority in this 2022 class. A lot of Georgia fans hope that Delp is a part of those conversations there as well. What can you tell us about Oscar as a player and a person, just given the way that you've you know, kind of seen him kind of grow up before your eyes over the course of these last few years? You know, uh, I haven't – this is really my first year being able to uh, work with him. I haven't had a chance to – really get down and dirty with him yet. I've uh, been around him a few times at the Hustle Inc. 707. I've actually started training his little brothers as well, but Oscar's that new age tight end. Uh, he really uh, puts you in the mind of, of, uh, of the tight end we got from California this yeah. year. Uh, they're just basically big wide receivers that just fit the, the weight requirement to be a tight end. Um, he's a guy that can line up from the flex position. He's he's a guy that can line up an inline tight end that will get his nose dirty in there and block. Um, so he, he is a tremendous uh, football player that any school would be lucky 
uh, to get, and whoever signs it is going to get a heck of a football player. And to me, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this, but it seems like this is going to be one of those differences in the SEC in the future and some of the other leagues. You know, you go out to the Big 12, for instance. There are some Big 12 schools, not Oklahoma for so much, I don't think, but other Big 12 schools who their fourth receiving option on the field at any one point in time is just going to be almost another slot receiver, right? It's not going to be that tight end type player. It's going to be that slot receiver. Frankly, some of those teams aren't the ones who are doing the most winning when it comes to, you know, playoff time and the things that really matter it seems like the schools that do that are the ones that are able to have that fourth pass catching option on the field be a tight end as opposed to another you know smallish slot receiver that doesn't necessarily help you much in the running game to have someone who can who can play that tight end role and potentially help your running game a little bit but also you know be an effective pass catcher there as well that to me certainly seems to be the direction that the SEC is moving into maybe even faster than maybe some of the other leagues out there do you agree with that I think so um I think a lot of schools are going to that 11 personnel and 11 personnel is three receivers, one running back, and one tight end. Yeah. And with the advantage of going level personnel is you don't have to change personnel once you want to get into a power set to run the football where that tight end can get down in the blocking game or you can uh, split them out and, and give a what I call a two-by-two that's two, two receivers on each side. You don't have to change personnel. Uh, so that's going to keep the defenders in a bigger uh, set defensively because you have to account for that tight end. But now tight ends nowadays are able to flex out into the slot or to the outside and run routes just like your your normal wide receiver. So it's coming to a, a where these receivers are not coming off the field and teams are standing 11 personnel all game. What's your impression of Todd Hartley, both as a recruiter and what he's doing to develop these tight ends? Sometimes I feel like on this show maybe we haven't talked about Hartley as much as we should. What's your impression of, of him? Uh, he's a Kirby-type coach. His energy is unmatched. Uh, once I went to practice and when I've been to practice, he's nonstop energy. and He's developing these guys. and I, that He is a up-and-coming, rising coach. Uh, Todd Hartley is on the recruiting trail. Um, he's very relatable to these kids these days. Um, and he, he's a good coach, so these kids are going to relate to him. And, and there he's going to get his share of guys. And you can already see that his coaching ability, his recruiting ability is paying off for Georgia right now. Yeah, you've seen a lot more of practice than I have because you've seen full practice. I've only seen bits and pieces of practice, and that's even been a couple of years ago. But it is really interesting, though, when you get a chance to watch a little bit of a Georgia practice and the different personas these coaches take on the field for instance you know back when Sam Pittman was there I would always say he was a fairly mild-mannered coach during practice Del McGee I, at least the, the times that I've seen him uh comes across as a little bit mild-mannered during practice you don't hear him screaming but you know the defensive guys like Schumann and Lanning and certainly Todd Hartley very vocal you can hear them no matter which side of the field you're standing on you can really hear them and it's not you know uh berating players it's just coaching and teaching loudly right it's just it's just a very energetic brand of coaching that can be heard from 50 60 yards away and if you made a short list at least in the brief window of practice that I've gotten a chance to see a couple of years ago the last time that I saw it if you made a list of the most animated coaches during a uh, Georgia practice uh, Terrence Todd Hartley would definitely be on that list of among the most vocal among the most energetic among the most animated during those practice moments it sounds like your experience pretty similar to mine in noticing that 
Oh, correct. That's correct. Uh, Coach Dale McGee is, is a mild manner. Uh, I haven't really seen him yell very much. Uh, uh, Coach Hankton is the same way. I don't. I haven't really heard him yell as much in his coaching uh, pedigree. Uh, who else? So on the offensive side of the ball, Coach Hart is that guy yeah. that is the most animated. Uh, even Coach Coley. Uh, when he was there, he was a very animated. He he had this very different soft Florida voice, so you could hear him yeah. over a lot of the coaches. But more of the animated coaches are on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I always say you got to be a little crazy to play defense to come up to hit a man, another grown man, or another man, period, full speed. So you got to be a little crazy. So those coaches <laughs> on that side of the ball has to be a little bit more animated uh, than I'd say the offensive side. But uh, – you know, it's different coaches' styles, and they all work and mesh together at Georgia. What do you think? Uh, we talked about the cornerback uh, position before you joined us, and obviously that continues to be a, a big unanswered question for UGA, but there are no doubt some talented guys there. Jalen Kimber, Keely Ringo, two of those guys have now been on campus for a year, earning a little bit of attention to your 24 7 sports, wrote them up a little bit, and. You know, I'm left to believe that between the two of them, you have a really good chance of finding a, a guy that can really emerge. And obviously, you'd love to have a four-year starter over there. Sometimes that's not what you have. But if George ends up having to lean on one of those very talented young players, the chances of at least one of them having a good year, I still think are probably pretty good. What do you make of Kimber and Ringo, and what's your outlook for them here this fall? I've just been able to see those guys personally. I, I can start with Ringo. He is he is as advertised. I mean, been six two and and can run. Uh, now we just got to see him in game action. I, I mean, just think about uh, Tyson Campbell, just with all the measurables that you're looking for in a defensive back, and then with Jalen coming in as probably not as heritable as as Ringo, but he is one of those guys that I've been looking at for two years now that I keep talking about that I think he's going to have a, a great career. Um, he's very solid in his transition in and out of breaks as a defensive back. He's very smart and he's athletic. Uh, I think I don't think anyone gives him credit for his athletic ability as they do Ringo. So I think we're going to have two young, talented but inexperienced guys on the corner. Uh, that's why I think I miss the guy that just he's been around the program. He understands college football. He's going to help. Uh, but I think that we're very. Very young, but very, very talented in the back end, especially the cornerback position. So I have to show our video audience this before we let you go here today. Uh, some very interesting social media activity here. And I'm going to try to see if I can decipher what's going on here and some photos shared by uh, Andre Craig, very impressive uh, uh, prospect for the class of 2023. Looks to me, uh, Terrence, like these photos, is that the legendary former Georgia wide receiver uh, getting involved himself, still in the bubble there? Terrence, were you, were you out there catching passes, <laughs> showing those young guys how it's done here? No, what we was doing there, so we always end uh, the session with a deep ball where guys always want to go deep, but a lot of guys don't really understand how to catch deep balls. Sure. So we always end session with that, and then we end the last four throws for the quarterbacks have to be hole shots. So I'm playing a cover two cloud corner, and uh, those guys have to get the ball over me into that hole. So yesterday I got me two picks yesterday. I took them to the house. I love to hear that. See that—that's what you like. <laughs> Every now and then, it's important for the for the uh, you know the coaches, the ex players, to show these young guys they still have it, right? I mean, we got to make sure we keep these young guys respecting their elders around here, don't we? Oh, most definitely. I have to show that you know you know you can go Google me and look at my numbers, but I'm gonna just show you I'm still 
able to get out there and catch the football and move around. I'm just so happy and, and grateful that I did play this, this sport for a long time, and I'm able to still get out there and run around with them. So I'm grateful that, that I didn't have any major injuries that want to allow me to move around. And still at 42, I still can get up and go catch the football. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a nice thing to be able to know. Hey, Terrence, on a serious note, for folks who want to be a part of that bubble work and get in there and get trained up and learn how to catch those deep balls, learn how to go over the middle and everything that pass catchers have to do here uh, at this level of play, uh, how can folks get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on all social media. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, it is really good to have you on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. So much fun to hear your analysis, and I look forward to getting a chance to talk to you soon. take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through let me just say one thing here real quick before we uh move on terrence is like the nicest guy in the world and he would never you know get into it with anybody but you talk about one of the great like retorts of all time if anybody ever is doubting you or anything like that did you hear what he said there a moment ago he said uh listen you can google my numbers like there is no better response to anybody wants to talk trash to you than to just casually say Google my numbers uh, and listen those those stats uh, at the University of Georgia certainly back all that up. Uh, that is a very very nice way to shut up any kind of uh, you know back and forth that may be going on. Listen, Google my numbers and get back to me. I love that from Terrence Edwards right there. That is a lot of fun. We got a lot we want to do here for our SEC through. Also, before we do that, I want to tell you about the finished long drink here for a moment. This is going to be such a cool thing for you to know all about as we head towards the spring and the summer. And a lot of you have been hearing me tell you about this over the course of the last uh, week or so, and uh, you've reached out to say that you've tried this there yourself. The people that I've introduced this to in my life have loved this there, too. It's, it's the finished long drink. It comes, obviously, from Finland. You know, back when the summer games were in Helsinki, I think like back in like the 1950s or something like that. Uh, so the, the, the drink was essentially invented then and enjoyed there and then it's kind of migrated its way over to the united states uh, i think it came to the united states around 2018 or so and the good news is now it's in the state of georgia there as well and in fact it's uh really a lot of the places are around my house you know it's big in athens right now a lot of the bars there uh the young folks are enjoying that a lot of golf courses around where i live kind of enjoyed that there too some of the beverage stores there as well and really it just seems like one of those things that everybody seems to love because it comes ready to drink right out of the can whether you get the uh the original which comes in the blue can that has kind of like the citrus flavor it's almost like hints of grapefruit you kind of have that uh that sort of gin kick to it all uh you've got the uh uh, the, the stronger version that comes in the black can. Uh, you've got the uh, the finished long drink zero, which obviously uh, zero calorie. Uh, that's a really cool thing all the way around. There's a cranberry flavor there as well. There's a lot of different flavors, a lot of different choices, uh, ready to drink right out of the can. So when you want something that tastes good and enjoyable, that's got the strong liquor kick that kind of goes along with that, but great flavor there as well. This is easy to drink, fun to enjoy. It's going to be a, a great time. Uh, you're outside a lot in the spring and the summer. I can promise this goes great with that. Check them out online. Uh, it's thelongdrink.com. That's the website. Thelongdrink.com. That's the website. You can find out more about that as we uh, head through the spring and the summer, the finished long drink. I can promise you uh, that's going to be going with me wherever I'm going here uh, as we head through the spring and the summer. All right, let me roll through here. SEC through. Kind of a lot going on. I mentioned off the top of the program, kind of an interesting piece, 24-7 sports, uh, talking about Jalen Kimber, Keely Ringo. There were a couple of other SEC names in that story that I thought were at least worth mentioning. Demarcus Bowman from Florida, the Clemson running back. 
uh, kind of coming in here. He gets a little talk there uh, with uh, what, what's going on there at Florida. That's his new home there. But also Marshawn Lloyd from South Carolina. And this to me is a little bit more interesting in the case of Lloyd because Lloyd obviously dealt with injury a year ago. And even in the absence of Lloyd, South Carolina actually became a a much better rushing team than they had been in previous years. That had actually been the knock on the Gamecocks there for a while. And the one impact that Mike Bobo was able to make a year ago, and I would say this stage of his career, Bobo has become known as a fairly conservative offensive coordinator. But one of the things that he's you know become known for is being able to run the football. Last year, they did that. Probably went to Luke Doty at starting quarterback a little too late in the year, but that's kind of water under the bridge, whatever you want to say about that. But even in the absence of Lloyd, who was hurt for most of the year last year, Gamecocks became better at running the football. Now you add Lloyd back in the mix there. You kind of wonder for a Shane Beamer program in search of some sort of identity, leaning on Lloyd, leaning on the success they had in the running game a year ago, does that become something that South Carolina is able to do? I'm probably paying fairly close attention to that. You see where Tyreek Johnson is entering the transfer portal. Former five-star signee at Ohio State has not really been a, a huge factor. This from a guy from the class of 2018. Georgia was involved in his recruitment at the time. I don't really get the impression, you know, you know Georgia's already added a Tyke Smith, you know, someone who kind of occupies that potential safety role. And frankly, Georgia's got what you think of as starting safeties already. Georgia, I would say, needs cornerbacks right now. That is not really what Tyree Johnson is, at least not really what I think of him as. I think of him more as a safety. But I would think there is a very good chance. You even hear some rumblings about other SEC teams involved here. Tyreek Johnson being back on the open market will probably impact some SEC team. You're going to hear SEC teams prominently mentioned in his recruitment. My personal guess is this does not end up being one of those guys that Georgia goes after. But every time a defensive back does show up, we will probably be paying you know fairly close attention to some of those names. A couple other things here real quick. I, I did see where T.J. Finley, I think it was 24-7 Sports that had this as well, you know, T.J. Finley, quarterback, leaving LSU. It sounds like other SEC teams are kind of in the mix for him potentially. I guess even Auburn has showed up here and uh, shown up here. Um, and some people obviously will kind of wonder, well, you know, could Finley come in there and, you know, potentially take that job away from a Bo Nix or something like that? Maybe he could. I don't know. I think this is more for me, though. If Finley were to go to Auburn, no indication right now that he would, but it seems like Auburn is kind of showing up in some of these early days of the Finley discussion upon him leaving LSU. To me, this kind of comes down to the fact that Auburn right now just does not have a lot of quarterbacks in its program. I mean, I follow the league pretty closely. I'm not even sure I could tell you who Auburn's backup quarterback beyond Nix even is right now. They've obviously lost guys like Joey Gatewood and Malik Willis now famously at, at Liberty this program's had some attrition at that quarterback position over the course of the last few years so as you hope if you're an Auburn fan as you hope for big things from Knicks you're kind of left to wonder well if it's not Knicks then who is it really it's one of the reasons why I think they'll also lean heavily on their running game this year with Tank Bigsby because this is a program that you know lost a lot of receivers kind of an uncertain situation at quarterback beyond Bo Nix, who himself has no share of doubters right now. But maybe T.J. Finley, who did play some for LSU a year ago when he played, actually at moments anyway, played okay. Uh, maybe uh, Finley could end up being an answer there. It sounds like it sounds like based on some of the stuff you've seen from Finley, he'd like to stay in the SEC if he could. So we'll see if that indeed happens. I saw some interesting quotes from Josh Heupel recently, the uh, Tennessee coach who made an appearance on one of the Outkick the Coverage shows. And the question that came up was the feeling that exists about Tennessee fans who've just grown very impatient. And a lot of you know that I'm not a huge believer at Heupel in Tennessee. I don't think this was a very good hire. I think that Heupel is too inexperienced to handle the very, very 
serious issues that exist around the Tennessee program. But even someone like me, who's more than a little bit skeptical of, uh, of Heupel, I actually like the answer he gave to this question. He talked about his time in Oklahoma. Heupel was a great quarterback, national championship winning quarterback with the Sooners. But when he arrived at Oklahoma prior to that, you know, they had been to a bowl game, he said, in like five years. You may remember like the John Blake era predating the 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 Bob Stoops era there where Oklahoma really had kind of fallen on hard times. And the obvious analogy is, is that, you know, Oklahoma power program, people think of Tennessee still as a power program that that if Oklahoma could resurrect itself, why couldn't Tennessee? And I used to kind of roll my eyes about stuff like that because of the geographic disadvantage that Tennessee kind of finds itself in. I sort of wondered if it was still capable of recruiting at a level at which could produce championships. And I know Georgia fans don't want to hear this, but this is my honest belief, is that now I'm a little less likely to say Tennessee can never be good again because so many programs do recruit nationally now that why couldn't Tennessee kind of get back involved in that again I think the issue though is the long road back towards respectability you have to go through I don't think it's an impossible journey I think Tennessee could be good again but man it's important to acknowledge just how far away from it they are right now so I don't believe in Heupel, but I did not mind the uh, quotes that he gave yesterday. I actually thought that was kind of interesting. And then one more very quick SEC through story here for a moment. We have talked about uh, the situation at South Carolina, the weird political battle that the university president, Bob Caslam, found himself in. At one point in time, feuding with Darla Moore, the most high-profile booster, I would say, for the university. He's always been unpopular with the staff, the the professors, whatnot, because his background, not quite as erudite and academic as they wish that it would have been. Well, he's now resigned. You know, the uh, commencement address that he gave <laughs> over the weekend, I think will be remembered as one of the worst speeches ever given. He accidentally called the University of South Carolina, the University of California, which is weird. It was later found out that he plagiarized part of the speech, and he has now been forced to resign. This is a very distinguished guy. He was at West Point. Uh, this, is the, this, this is a guy with a pretty sterling resume up until now, and yet essentially resigning in shame from the University of South Carolina. A lot of Gamecocks fans kind of using this right now because they're unhappy with their athletic department and they're trying to, I don't know, you know, turn this into something. Uh, but but a very interesting way in which the world of academics is impacting the University of South Carolina right now as their university president resigns will make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, I'm going to turn our attention back to the Georgia Bulldogs here just for a moment. And I want to talk about something that we're not hearing very much this offseason in comparison to what we heard uh, a year ago. Yesterday on SEC Country Live, and I hope all of you get a chance to see SEC Country Live every Wednesday, 3 p.m. on the SEC Country video channels. I talked about an anonymous assistant coach who was quoted in an article at Saturday Down South talking up what he thought was going to be a better year for the Florida defense. Because, you know, Florida defense you know, had its issues with uh, – you know, getting blown out by Oklahoma in the bowl game, gave a bunch of points to Alabama on the SEC championship game, even though the offense helped keep it close, gave up too many points against LSU and kind of the embarrassing, you know, regular season finale loss there. So the Florida defense has been under a lot of, just a lot of criticism. In fact, there are a lot of Gators fans who did not want Todd Grantham to come back for 2021, but he is, and kind of a contrarian piece, at least a little bit at Saturday and South, of some belief that the defense for the Gators is going to be better this year. Let me quickly read what the anonymous coach said at SDS uh, here this week. He says about Florida, they're going to be much better up front. Uh, Gators brought in all those tackles, and the young guy, Javon Dexter, is a problem. They'll be tough to run on this time, and watch how much better the linebackers are. That's a SEC assistant coach is quoted by Saturday Down South. Now listen, 
Maybe that ends up being true. Maybe it doesn't. Obviously, I think most Georgia fans would say Javon Dexter is a, uh, a very good player. So at least in that sense, they've got that going for them. But my reason for reading that quote from Saturday Down South is, think about how little we're hearing about that kind of stuff this offseason. This has been a very, very quiet offseason around Florida in terms of generating much in the way of buzz one way or another. I mean, if you really listen to the offseason conversation of the SEC right now, I mean, thus far, it seems to be a lot of this stuff related to how good can Texas A&M be and based on what Jimbo Fisher said recently, are they a legit threat to Alabama? And that seems to be the offseason conversation right now. There's almost nothing going on with uh, you know, with with Florida and their ability to repeat and, and win the SEC East for a second year. And you might be left to say, well, B.A., it is the spring and summer. How much college football conversation is even going on at all right now? And so I want to do this just very, very quick. Let me go back to the past. A year ago, almost exactly. These are audio clips that were collected during the March, April, May portion from a year ago, kind of crunched together this is what was being said about Florida this time a year ago for some context about what's not being said right now. Take a listen to this. I think Florida's definitely a contender this year. The Florida Gators are the team to beat in the SEC East. I look at Florida and I go, it's got to be now. Kyle Trask, possibly the best quarterback in the league. They've got an outstanding quarterback in Kyle Trask who not enough people talked about this past season and the success he had with Dan Mullen. This has got to be Florida's year because of Kyle Trask, yeah. his development. The defense is going to be stout, particularly in the secondary. Florida is going to be better defensively. They have one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I think Florida's in a prime position to get back to Atlanta in 2020. Now, on the one hand, you might mock that a little bit and say, for all that praise, Florida still lost four games. But the gen, you know, kind of the basic text of what's said there is, is true. Florida did win the SEC East a year ago, so we're not going to mock those predictions from guys like Chris Doring or or Jordan Rogers or or Danny Cannell too much. At least in terms of winning the East, they did that a year ago. You know, Georgia may have had its quarterback issues and may have been banged up and injured, and they may have had you know a laundry list of excuses. But facts are facts. Florida did win the SEC East, so I don't play that montage to mock the media who predicted it or the you know Gators for what they did even with a four loss season they still won the SEC East so those predictions at least to some degree were, were accurate but my point is is those were all media comments from relative, relatively well-known you know voices that all happened within this same span of time that we're in right now this happened a year ago and you're hearing nothing about that right now isn't it somewhat interesting that that Florida generated more buzz trying to win the east than they are in terms of trying to defend the east and win the SEC east for a second consecutive year the only takeaway i think you can have here is and i'm not saying this is a gatorator although i do enjoy the the idea of this the only takeaway i can have is is there just must not be much of a case to be made for Florida if you don't hear anybody in the media making it whatsoever and for Georgia this matters right i mean an easy path in a division, if that's the way it works out to be. And listen, there's also the possibility that maybe Florida's flying under the radar. We've seen under-the-radar division winners before. Uh, LSU was probably one of those in 2019. Auburn was probably one of those in 2017. Florida was probably one of those, at least in one of those two years, 2016 or maybe 2015. We've seen under-the-radar division winners in this league before. So maybe from a Florida fan's perspective, his team is flying under the radar right now. You at least have to consider that's true. But you also have to consider the possibility for a media in search of some sort of storyline. The fact that they can't find one at Florida 
Maybe that means the Gators aren't very good for this upcoming year. And if that's the case, an easy pathway in the division is a weapon that Georgia has to take advantage of. You've got a coast. In 2017, do not discount the value for Georgia that year of knowing that it had that march through the SEC East, winning all those games by at least two touchdowns. Did the same thing again in 2018 there as well. That path, when you don't face the potential stumbling block in your division, ought to be the kind of thing that you use to be fresh, ready to go, when the real games start to count in December and beyond. So keep that in mind. Right now, ear to the ground. You don't hear much about Florida, and that could be a very good thing for Georgia later on this fall. By the way, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators around here, we still view that to be Georgia's biggest rival. And the game that matters, no matter how good Florida is, beating them up is going to feel really, really good. In fact, we celebrate that a couple of different ways in our show. One of those what we call our Gator Hater Roll Call. We give out our golden shoes. We've had some of our actually best submissions in a, in a while have come in the last few days. Here, I want to honor a couple of these here today. Kind of themed time to go with the news. This from Budweiser and Dog is so funny. You've seen the photo of the people hoarding the gasoline. <laughs> and he photoshops that saying this is me downloading podcasts for a road trip and he's got like the dog nation daily logo the dog nation logo and some of our faces uh there covering up those gas tanks that's really really funny also our buddy mad dog had a funny one there as well kind of an old school gas pump that says sorry no gas with dan mullen mad dog saying when your offense is as empty as your gas tank Good stuff from Mad Dog. Both of those golden shoe worthy. How about Gator Hater Countdown? Nice even number. 170 days. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Of course, you can find them online, rsandrews.com. For your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs, they show up on time. They do the work that's promised. For the price that's promised, they'll get your air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs. You can find them online at rsandrews.com. All right, so comments today both coming on the the page there at dognation.com. If you want to have your voice be heard, you can always drop a comment there at dognation.com in the comment section when I post the show each and every day. Or you can check out uh, me on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. Drop your line there. Getting a little bit of heat and criticism. Uh, and I don't want to make too much of it because there's only been a few comments, but a few people thought we kind of stayed on the NFL draft topic a little too long. TV Dog 83 uh, at the, the pages of DogNation.com says, It seems like it's a daily happening since before the NFL draft. Dog Nation Daily is in the air. And once again, BA is pounding the airways with college, quote, college football teams producing the most players drafted in the first round. Three years is a trend, but it goes against not sure, but numerous years of not being a trend. This mantra of, quote, UJ must start producing first-round picks has to end, please. So you can debate whether or not we stayed on that as a topic for too long in the show. Maybe we did. I'm, obviously, your feedback matters to me on that, and I'll give you some more of that in a moment. But here's the one thing I don't think you can debate. I don't think you can debate the, the truth of the statement. I'll be kind of a blowhard here for a moment and say that leaders are repeaters, and this is one of those moments in which I do think an idea should be repeated more and more. If Georgia has a first-round pick in the 2022 draft, two first-round picks maybe in the 2022 draft, and like seven guys taken in later rounds, and the odds are they probably didn't win a national championship. Now, maybe as a topic that should be given a rest for a while, and, and that, that's certainly fair to say. But not talking about it makes it no less true, hammering home just how crucial it is that Georgia takes its NFL-level players and turns them into you know, front-end, first-round-level talents, I think that's inarguably true, even if at this point in time you're kind of tired of hearing about it. Same thing for Daniel Nash, just to show you that I don't only read good things. 
Daniel on Twitter, this is Daniel Nash 77, who says, could we please be through with the NFL draft talk for a while? Rather hear about recruiting or, you know, something like that. He says, I will give you credit, though. You found more ways to talk about the draft than I ever thought humanly possible. You could be a dairy farmer the way you have milked this draft talk. Um, so, yeah, listen, um, uh, he says it's not a criticism, just an observation. I'm always thankful to uh, get that. So, as I said before, we were happy to kind of we, – we covered it all, right? We did quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, defense backs. So we did all the position groups, and we did try to kind of pivot that back towards, you know, something related to this upcoming year's team, but maybe not to everyone's satisfaction. So always happy to get the uh, the feedback on that. Uh, William Perry also writes in to say that he disagrees with what Mark Rick said on yesterday's show about the name image likeness transfer stuff he says he disagrees with the idea that thinking kids will stay in college longer because of name image likeness the players who have left uh who shouldn't have uh thought much more of their abilities than reality if they make money during college they will think they'll make that much more after yeah i think some of that kind of stuff speaks to the voices they allow into their heads to convince them to do certain things and here's the problem with being a talented athlete and i mean that literally there will always be someone in your life who's willing to tell you exactly what you want to hear because there will always be people who think telling you what you want to hear will get them what they want. And that's just a tough thing because, you know, I mean, you can see this throughout world history when all you have left are people who kind of just sort of uh, sycophants just sort of validating whatever you believe that has a tendency not to work out well. And sometimes for athletes, it can be the same kind of thing that if you don't have a truth teller in your tightest, closest knit circle, then, you know, things can be kind of a problem. I think at some point in time I may do something on the big show, the normal show, the, uh, um, about this. I saw where like the Alabama name, image, and likeness law also provides an opportunity for the players to hire an agent to manage their name, image, likeness concerns. And here's the one thing you understand is that if you make money off your name, image, and likeness, that's not, as I've said a million times, that's not just free money. You've essentially taken a job, right? I mean, you, uh, you know, you haven't, gain for yourself more freedom you've added for yourself another boss and i know that can kind of come across as i'm trying to you know, sell against the idea of name image likeness stuff for some players they will like that but not everybody will that you know one of the main ways they'll have a chance of making money is off their social media because the fact of the matter is i mean i live in atlanta it's a major media market how many professional athletes do you even see doing tv commercials right now local tv spots right uh, you don't see a lot of that. There's just not a huge, endless supply of companies willing to do that. And there may be less uh, willing to do that, you know, for college athletes, even if it's allowed for for a number of reasons. So you're going to have to manage this via your social media. That's how you'll have a chance to make some money, influencer posts, things along those lines. But listen, I mean, there's a lot of behind the scenes coverage that's gone on of the people who actually do that for a living now. That is not as glamorous a job as you think it is, and job is the appropriate word there. It is work. You have to have you know, the kind of feed that leads these posts to be clicked through and opened. You have to have the kind of engaging social media traffic around the influencer post that keep people from ignoring the influencer post. Um, anyone who wants to take that seriously and actually make some money doing so is taking on a job to do so. And you're going to have to have somebody manage it because the companies willing to pay you money for your posts are going to want some sort of return on their investment, which means measuring metrics and all the things that go along with that. So, you know, this isn't as clean and tidy as uh, some might think. And I do kind of agree with what I think um, Alan Green, the Auburn athletic director, said the other day is that, 
you know, right now this whole thing's still a little bit of a mess, but I'm also fairly skeptical of this all the way around. Also, I got a message from Mark Jensen on Twitter who said I heard the podcast the other day, and he says he laughed out loud when he when I spoke of trying not to get the big head. He says, what could possibly make you get a big head? It's a regional podcast about college football, and it tends to mostly be about wide receivers in high school, not big head worthy. So, uh, Mark, thank you for uh, weighing in on that. I was just joking. You should try that sometime there as well. Uh, anything else we want to get to on the uh, program here today? Uh, looking forward to tomorrow's show. A lot of recruiting stuff with Jeff Sintel. We're only really a few days away from what is going to be a very, very busy June when it comes to Oscar Delp talked about this with the interview last night. A lot of folks taking visits, a lot of folks getting ready for just a just a big June, you know, filled with visits, the return to normalcy recruiting. That's going to be really fun. We'll start the preview of that with Jeff Sintel tomorrow. I'm looking forward to being able to do that. And of course, hope all of you find some gasoline, have yourself a, a good evening. Uh, my last baseball game for my son got rained out last night. Daughter's got her last soccer game on Sunday. Some of these spring sports getting ready to come to an end here. So as you kind of roll through some of this and get ready for graduations and everything else, hope you have a great time. Uh, let me also just very quickly give a shout out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia there as well. You hear me talk about them a lot. ESOG, proud partners of UGA, foundation waterproofing work. I love recommending them because I'm a homeowner. I know how much that stuff matters. Give them a call, 678-ESOG now for your foundation waterproofing issues. That's 678-ESOG now. Make sure you check them out. Our friends at RS Andrews who make the RS Andrews podcast cool down possible for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Find them online at rsandrews.com. And back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to seeing all of you there for that. Have a great day, everybody.